And now, our feature presentation. Hello everybody, welcome to another Cinema Shot. I am your host, Ben, aka The Marvelous Iggy, and joining me is my shape-shifting master friend, Tyler! Who told you? Uh, uh, uh... I'm not a transforming raccoon, what are you talking about? No, no, pay, forget what I just said, forget what I said, where's my neuralizer, where's my neuralizer? Anyways, um... Well, the neuralizer wouldn't work. Men in Black would have to have a audio version of the neuralizer, right? They would have. I to. would assume so. That'd be a great. What would it be called? That's not, that's who we'll discuss that whenever we re review all four Men in Black movies. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. We are here in the next installment of our Studio Ghibli marathon, um, as we are now in 1984. And we are discussing probably one that does I don't hear nearly get discussed enough, especially after having watched it. Uh, it is Palm Poco. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie up until uh, us doing this retrospective. Right, and there, uh, a, mm -hmm. it's one. It's one of the weirder ones. I'll say that for sure. And that's saying something considering, but like, there's always that Ghibli echelon. Where it's like, these are the holy grails of Studio Ghibli. And then the other ones, like, they're good, but for some reason they don't, but for reasons they don't, they don't, they don't stick around for so long. But what is this movie? Um, what is Pompoco? Uh, what did you expect when you first saw, when you saw the synopsis for this movie, Tyler? Um, I'm looking at the poster right now, and uh, the first impression of what I got is it was probably just going to be like a wholesome slice of life movie about Tanukis, and that's partially correct. Partially, yeah, exactly. Um, I knew it was going to be about. I guess they're they're called raccoons in um in ours, but they are Tanukis, um, because that's the right. Or are they raccoons? Um, yeah, based on it's based on the Japanese folklore of uh, shape-shifting raccoons who are so well-endowed that they use their ball sacks to um, fly around. God damn it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get right into that right away. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was not expecting an environmentalist story. Uh, it's almost as if, like, again, it's funny, this came out, uh, this came out in 94, but it, it, it's set there in the 1960s when, like, development, like, really started to happen, where, where more and more, like, cities were starting to expand and shit. Um, but let's go ahead and break it down before we break it down. Uh, in Japanese, in, in Japan, it's called Heisei Tanuki Gatsun Ponpoko, or Heisei Era Raccoon Dog War Ponpoko. Um, okay. Because this is, this is this believe it or not, this is a war movie. This is a horror movie at points, and it's also like a family friendly. It's a whole bunch of things. Um, this is directed by Isao Takahara, written by Isao Takahara, produced by Toshi uh, Toshio Suzuki. Uh, this was released in July 16, 1994, with a running time of 119 minutes, and a box office of 4.47 billion yen. And there's actually several um, uh, actors you might recognize in this one. Um, uh, Shukuki, uh, how, uh, Shuk how do you pronounce his first name? Because I kept throwing Shukichi. Shukichi. Uh, it's played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes, 90s heartthrob Jonathan Taylor Thomas. If you are, if you don't know who that is, you are too young. You need to stop listening right now. Um, Gonta as vo uh, voiced by Clancy Brown, or I was going to say Mr. Krabs, but he's voiced a lot of shit. Um, Lexi Thor, Neo Cortex, a whole bunch of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Oroko, uh, Lex Luthor. Uh, Oroko is uh, as voiced by Tress McNeil, who is proving to be like the constant, the the the, the constant in all these movies so far. Uh, all shows with Andrea Storka. Uh, Sesame is, is voiced by J.K. Simmons, which I did not hear. Uh, but then again, I'm used to hearing angry J.K., not not um, calm J.K. I recognize him right away. Fun Kichi as David Oliver Cohen. Tom Saburo as Wally Curtis as Tom Saburo. Kevin Michael Richardson as Bunta. I recognize that one. Um, it's kind of hard not to. Mark uh, Danto as Sasuke. And uh, John uh, DiMaggio as Rutaro. He also plays another uh, cameo, too. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other characters in here. Um, that are just kind of one-off. So those are the, sort of like the main ones. Brian Posehn is here. I did not hear his voice at all. Um, but, uh, so yeah, what is Palm Poco? Well, it's about raccoons, and it's pretty much, as Tyler suggested, it's centered around the, the, the Japanese folklore that, uh, that, they, that these were animals who were gifted with the ability of transformation and they could transform into anything. And this film is set in the 1960s as a, uh, a as uh, as Japan was starting to, um, I guess, outstretch into like make Tokyo even bigger into you know bigger extensions of itself into a, a little suburban development called New, uh, New Tama in the Tama Hills, and of course, just like what we saw with Godzilla versus Mothra, um, you know, when when you start developing things. You have to basically deforest the land, despite whatever's living there, and pretty much uh, it is a. It, this movie is a battle for survival as the raccoons are seeing their very livelihoods and their homes be taken away from them by. The humans are never specifically evil in this movie, but they're basically having their homes stripped away by uh, humanity's need for growth. Yeah, we never really see the human side of the story in this entire movie, uh, only because we kind of already have the perspective of what goes down in real life. Right. And that's interesting, right? I think this is the first Ghibli movie where the, the, the humans, like, it's all anthropomorphic talking animals. It's not, there's no human lead at all. Unless they transform into humans, but that's right. a technicality in of that's itself. Tech- exactly. There's like I was kind of expecting like a f- an- another character to be like be like the bridge who like talks to the Tanukis or the the raccoons to try to get them. Like no, it never happens. Um, but I I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, this was uh, an enjoyable little romp, uh, despite the serious environmental uh, message uh, strung throughout the film. Yeah, what I really like about it is it initially starts out very lighthearted and like how there's two... Initially, it's two warring clans, because they they live in feudal era, I guess, for the the raccoons. And um, they transform, and at first you take it as like an animation thing. Um, and that this is the how the cartoons are like no they're actually doing that um, and that they're at war with each other and they're presented like hey look uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and these human develop this development project is pretty much a bigger threat so they band together um, although one of them tries to tries to commit uh, tre- uh, not treason mutiny at least five times in this movie alone looking at you mr. Krabs 
Um, yeah, the one played by Clancy Brown, of course, has to be the one to commit mutiny. Several times. Um, several fucking times. But, um, I, I, I kind of, and, and pretty much their goal is to scare, like, to scare the humans away. Um, while also not letting the humans know that they're on their, uh, on their side. What did, I, I love the premise of the story that it's basically like, like, it's a fight for survival in the most, like, I guess, like, comedic such funny way possible? Yeah, uh, the way, the, the raccoons themselves, um, really don't want their home to be destroyed, but at the same time... They're also kind of lazy, fun-loving goofballs that just yeah. want to party and fuck all the time. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> there, there's a moment where they're they like they're all the elders are like having a meeting, and one of them, I be, I believe it is uh, Oroka, who's voiced by Tress McNeil. Uh, she's trying to get them to focus, and she brings up out of nowhere fucking hamburgers, and they all eat. And then like the meeting's just adjourned after that. Just like ah, we're done. Yeah. Shit, if only. If only, right? If only we need to solve like that. Um, yeah, and and the only one who even tries to do anything is Gonta, who's voiced by uh, uh, Clancy Brown. He's like the he's like the war hawk of of the uh, of the tribe. Like I want to like the thing about this, if I just read this movie, is that even though you have uh, uh, Shoichi as the main character, it's not really about him. Like, yeah, uh, this movie doesn't really have a main character, per se. It's no. morally about the raccoons as a collective, and right. I find that fascinating in of itself. It, yeah, because he's given the most time where he is like, kind of like the, the up-and-coming voice of reason, where he comes up with plans to help you know fight the humans, and he actually falls in love and has babies, even though they told him... Don't have that was the weird thing they told him to not have they told him not not weird but they told him to not have babies. I'm not gonna kiss or cuddle. Kisses and cuddles immediately two seconds later, and then they got babies. Um, I will and it, exactly so. Um, and they say that because like their population numbers are getting too large. How can and, and like the land can't possibly sustain them all. Um, but I do find it interesting because it's more about the plight. Of, of the raccoons as our narr- who's our narrator does it name Maurice LaMarche okay I was like that is um that's that's brain isn't it yep that is okay. brain and a whole bunch of other voices in Futurama as well just, I recognize that that voice just the way he talks it's like that's fucking brain from Pinky and the Brain um and and sort of he's kind of like telling you this storybook feeling I I really liked it um, and, and what I really liked is that, like, you'll have the raccoons be, like, no, number one, these raccoons don't look, like, I didn't, re- I didn't realize how scary Japanese raccoons looked. They're terrifying, man. Like, they have to hold their gigantic balls over their shoulders just to walk. <laughs> I just, I just can't, um, like, like, at least how they're depicted, he, like, he, like, and they almost, in certain pictures, in certain, like, anim- pieces of animation, they're almost like tiny wolves. Like, they're, versus if you look at our, our, our raccoons are very fat, very, I mean, they're both very fat, but I don't ever feel, th- I don't, unless the raccoon was rabid, I've never felt scared around a raccoon. If I saw a tanuki, I, um, I, I would be terrified, especially at night. That shit would be scary. They're yokai for a reason. Yeah, like, 
so like pretty much this, the movie is a series of gotcha moments where they try to like use the use their shape shifting abilities to cause her so they they cause accidents on the um on the construction sites nobody is ever harmed um some raccoons unfortunately do not make it to the end of this movie but the most part is like they don't want to well okay gonto wants to kill all the humans which is funny today why he wasn't voiced he uh when he wasn't voiced by john dimaggio um <laughs> just see him say kill all humans in 1994 um but um most of this movie is, is basically pranks uh and stuff like that um uh, except when they can't fucking fo the, like you said, the, the, the raccoons can't focus to save their lives literally yeah they're about as attentive as I am on an off day yeah um I do like this sort of like uh, like system they have like it's definitely feudal inspired um, at one point, one of the rac two they sent two of the raccoons off to go to distant lands, um, like to go find, um, like bring back the shape shifting masters uh, to help them combat the, the the construction that's going on Tama Hills. And then you find out later on that it's not just Tama Hills. Like they're taking the, the one another set of raccoons came visit them, and they're like, our water is is basically you know uh dirt everywhere basically undrinkable because they're taking the dirt and putting it over in um in Tama Hill, you know stuff like that so uh it's definitely um environmentally cautious yeah i would definitely say that um what would you who would you say what would you say was your favorite moment um, I would probably say there's a bunch of moments. Um, uh, probably at the beginning of the third act, uh, when they go with uh, Operation Spectre, where they have like a gigantic uh, parade of giant monsters just parading around the uh, streets of Tokyo at night. Like it's just they're all out offensive to try to stop the development of uh, Tama Hills. Right, I, I think that was like Operation Spectre. It, what's funny is that they all give their names like operations, like um, military commanders. Like they think that's what that was the funniest part of it all. Um, and at first, what I like about that moment is that it's initially like, oh, kind of cute, you know, like kind of like this is weird. But then it, it actually starts to get really terrifying, and um, there's a great moment where uh, two humans. One who I, I I can't remember who he was voiced by. One of them is definitely voiced by John DiMaggio, which is who I I missed. The other is also Maurice LaMarche, the wow. two drunk guys. Okay, cool. Um, they're like ha they're like having a discussion about how like you know the mind's crazy when you're young. You don't you you know you're, what you're really seeing is not really there, but you think it's there, so it's there, um, and uh, all that good jazz. And um, Meanwhile, all this cr like I can't even describe what you see. It has to be seen to be believed. But like John Imagine is having a, a drink, and then his friends he like turns around like there really is monsters. It's a that's like imagine you're drunk like like you're drunk and you're like oh my god it is fucking it's all real. Yeah, I felt like this entire sequence was a gigantic acid trip. Like even when I started this movie up, I had literally had just woken up, and I'm like. Wait, is this actually happening right now? What's going on? Yeah, it felt so... Again, and then they start crushing things. 
Uh, I think the one that freak, would probably freak me up the most is when the electrical poles start moving like the way they did. I'm like, oh god. Um, and and so uh, the people of Tama Hills are definitely scared. Unfortunately, it's called a a publicity stunt by pretty much the entire like news media. Um, and they uh, and they say it was a stunt related to uh, a, a a wonder uh, a theme park called Wonderland Wonder Park. Great name, guys. Great, great name. Um, Inspired. Yeah. And this is where it actually gets interesting, I actually think. So, in most movies, you have conflict. You have a hero. You have conflict. You have the resolution in which the hero comes on top. You don't get that really in this movie at all. Yeah, when it comes to storytelling, this is probably the most unconventional one that we've uh, encountered in this entire retrospective, in all honesty. So, like, yeah, exactly. So, despite their efforts of, like, scaring the humans, um, freaking them out, and obviously, you know, you're going to be spooked, the people who are making the decision to continue with construction, they're not going to be bothered by that because they're, they're not on the ground. We know that. So, it's basically the, the raccoons are constantly taking L's, despite that they think they win. Now, what's funny is that every time they conduct an operation, yay, we did it, we did it! They cut, they drink, they fuck, whatever. Fucking party, let's and, go. And then they wake up the next morning hungover. Oh, we didn't do anything. <laughs> every t- and it's almost sad, but hilarious. Um, and then so they're presented with an ultimatum after Operation Spectre is basically yoinked away by... Uh, um, this this president of, of Wonderland theme Who park. is called Wonderland president, by the way. Also voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Nice. Um, and they... they, inte- they uh, he That person um, meets uh, Mr. Uh, Ryutaro, who, again, voiced by John DiMaggio, who is actually a transforming fox. Um, and he tells him, I know how to get the people who made that parade to work for you. And so, this is actually the most interesting part of the movie to me, in that you meet this transferring fox, and he meets with uh, one of the, uh, I believe it's San Busaro, I believe, uh, he meets with. Uh, I couldn't remember exactly. Uh, no, no, it's Kenichio. Uh, it's Kenichio. It's the one he, uh, uh, the sixth in his line. Uh, and he basically tells him, like, you know, you're not going to win this war. There is no winning against the humans. It, it, it is pointless. It is futile. The only way for your species to survive is to take your transforming skills and live among them. And he's living in like in a penthouse with women who are also foxes who learn to transform and I guess learn to hold their transformation. So the raccoons are presented with a moral dilemma. Do we give up who we are to our core? At least the transforming raccoons. The, the fox eventually tells them the uh, the non ones can go fuck off like they, they basically survival of the fittest here, um, and I I really like that because I did not expect that twist to come. Yeah, this ultimatum is something that completely comes out of left field, and it makes you wonder. This is probably something that a lot of uh, endangered species probably have to go through. Exactly, um, especially when you look at when the land is being developed nowadays. They send an environmentalist to come in to make sure like things are cleared out so that species aren't killed. But even then, you're still moving creatures who have been living there for years and basically uprooting them to move somewhere else. It's it's still not beneficial to them. And so we have we have several uh, options where several raccoons 
actually end up getting on a, on a big old party boat to uh, to fucking go party <laughs> and just go float down the river, which I thought, okay, that's the best ending. To just go drink, fuck, and They're party. going to the afterlife, bro. Yeah. Are they dead? Is that what it was? Sorry, I was kind of doing my clothes at the same time. Um, and then you have the other one, and so, and then you have the other party who is basically, um, uh, chose, they chose to live among humans. What did you think about that aspect? Uh, it is interesting, since, uh, I didn't expect uh, this movie to go in the route of, uh, these raccoons are gonna give up, uh, the way they live just so they can, uh, survive living amongst humankind. Um, it was something that I wasn't expecting, really. No. Um, and, it's, and it kind of makes you the idea, like, well, what if you start making out with somebody in Japan, and they just transform into a fox or to a raccoon? Oh, hey, man, you do you. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Does that make you a furry if you don't do it willingly? Does it? Does it make you a furry? Um, I don't know how that works. What, what are the rules for that? But, like... With the movie, what I what I what I love about Ghibli is that they put messaging in all their movies, and there's always a deeper meaning to everything. And even with this too, um, and it and like if it was just a simple cartoon movie with um, with Tanukis who are just you know playing pranks on humans, I don't think I would have liked it that much. But the fact that I knew what they were fighting for and I knew um, it had stakes to it, to what they were trying to do, and you didn't like. This is a fictional movie. They could have made it up. They could have said the, the, that they drove the humans away, but they didn't do that at all. Yeah, uh, they're going for a more realistic uh, message in this film, and I can respect it for that. Right, exactly. Um, you know, it's it's almost a melancholy ending, um, in, in a sense of because like, the, the raccoons have to, the raccoons who chose to live in society have to give up their free, basically free living ways, their freeloading ways, to acclimate to humankind and i found that a little bit sad like because of our need for growth and our need for more environment um i found that i found that really sad yeah it is kind of sad in hindsight but in the end um there's still raccoons that love to party and they still do that at the end of this movie yeah the the narrator uh, basically kind of gives like a silver lining that because of like the what happened at tama hills that you know more people like more humans are doing nature conversation which is the thing we have nowadays like there's a certain point where they, we just do not give a fuck about who we kill who and what we killed and now at least we're somewhat more conscious about it except current american politics is trying to roll that back but that's not the discussion here or there but it is what's happening um and that you know pretty much now you see raccoons like trying to just live in the city like how they do where they're they're trash pandas and they survive on what they can and unfortunately one of them is even a popular vtuber yeah um shout out to her you know she might shout out to snuffy yeah she might be a raccoon she actually actually might be an irl raccoon (laughs) probably probably you know what that's the lore that is the lore now um but uh any other any other uh thoughts did you have a favorite raccoon um i would probably say the most entertaining one is probably Gonta because he's just so off the wall of. Right. Uh, we need to kill all the humans. Like the, and then after he gives off the speech, after hearing an enticing argument about human food, he's like, "Okay, fine, we'll go ahead and not do that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's so bloodthirsty until it comes to that. That's that's what makes it really, really funny. 
Um, I gotta go with you there on there for sure. Um, it almost feels like he should have been the main character, but I guess not. And I think, I think it was nice. So like, when Clancy Brown is, does that transition from like, like, oh, kill all humans. Oh, but you can't. And then like to this cuddly, warm voice. I'm like, damn it. But yeah, um, I think the biggest shocking part was the fact that once, because I forgot that Tanukis can stretch their balls like carpets. Yep. There's there's a moment in this movie. <laughs> this is the all look. Listen. There are several moments in this movie actually. Uh, the beginning with the gigantic scrotum carpet, of course, and then at the end when. Uh, well, the best part uh, is Gun- that. With the, uh, Gunta's uh, crew fighting off a bunch of patrolmen, just enlarging their balls and just crushing them with them. <laughs> so great. The the crazy thing is like, because I, I didn't notice that you can see the the the, the male like, Tanuki's testicles the entire time of the movie. Like this, I couldn't stop staring. Uh, it was something that I couldn't uh, get out of my mind as soon as I noticed. Because like, the, it's great because the. Um, they uh, they're they're trying to train the the, the Tanukis to transform because initially most of them do not know how to transform, um, and like they, they and they start doing it. So um, the girls uh, because they don't have to take care of cubs, they're also transforming. But then the master, the 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 wise, one of the wise men of the village, is like, I'm going to need the males to stay here with me. And then all of a sudden, just this carpet out of his balls. Bruh. Like, like I don't look. I'm not Japanese, and maybe it's more revered. But I have to imagine somebody in Japan just laughing, just laughing their ass off at that. Just please tell me it's funny. Um, Shit, I'm laughing right now. It was, too, it was just like what. And then after that, because they purposely did it, where you could tell who's a male. Number one, also the females have clothes on, which is the weird part. But and the and the men don't. <laughs> I have to see them. I don't care about... It's like raccoon. a Donald Duck situation. Yeah, I don't care about raccoon titties. They all have titties. They're fat. Um, I don't... But you can see their balls. Yep, just well, flopping around everywhere. Just there. Oh, man. Um, like, like I said, this... I don't think this is the greatest theory. I think... I, like, okay... If there was like a lower, like lower end of the spectrum of Ghibli movies, in which case in this reality, there's no such thing as a bad Ghibli movie. There's because it doesn't have certain things. I don't think it's one of the best, but I definitely think it's worth a watch just because of how absurd it is. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, wake up in the morning and just be baffled at what you're watching kind of films, in a good way. <laughs> I just I'm looking at the clip. <laughs> Where they, where they're fighting the police with their balls. Reminds me of that one South Park episode where um, they uh, enlarge their testicles in the microwave and just bounce around them like a hoppy hop. Dude, I, I, they had to have been inspired by Japanese tanukis. They had to have been, you know. Yeah, right. Literally killing these fucking cops, smothering them with their big hairy balls. Uh we're 12. Yeah, A-Cab. A-Cab via Tanuki Balls. <laughs> Listen, balls are funny, and comically large balls on hilariously fat... Um, are they marsupials? What are they What are they classified under? Um, um, not marsupials. I think... They're rodents? I, I think they're more rodents, yeah. Yeah, okay, they're, yeah, rodents. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, anything else to discuss? 
I think that's about it. Uh, I think we definitely covered the ball talk. That's yeah. The, that's the big one we had to cover. Yeah. Um... And, and what I do like is that, you know, pretty much addresses, like, 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 you know, like, just take care of animals, you know, not destroy living spaces. Like, you're not the only people here. If that's the one takeaway, it's a basic message. It's a message you've heard before. But I think it, it rings true even to this day that, like, you're not the only one living here as a human. You, you share a wonderful ecosystem filled with all sorts of unique creatures, whether they, you don't, whether you like them or not. That's it's it's not yours. It's not yours only, and I do like that message. Yeah, it's a nice little message, even though um, this film, compared to all the other Ghibli movies that we've seen, is a bit lesser in quality. I think. Yeah, I just still think in terms gets of its message the, across fairly the, well. The narrative isn't as strong because I found myself drifting off a little bit more in this one because it was just because they were drifting off. <laughs> they, I think that's yeah, exactly. I, like, like you know, they were drifting off. So it is what it is. Um. But definitely watch at least once because of the absurdity of what you see in this movie and just overall hilarity. And the voice acting is, is, is good. It, it's, it's, it's very good. For okay, sure. Okay, I think that's enough on this movie. Uh, Tyler, uh, do you know what we're watching next? Ah, uh, shit. What else is next here? Uh, next week we are going to be looking at Whisper of the Heart. I've never heard of this one either. Goodness. Yes, another one. Uh, yeah, this is a 1995. Uh, we are one, one movie, two weeks, two weeks. Yeah, Whisper of the Heart. Um, I've definitely seen this image, this poster, this girl before. Um, but I've never. I recognize the cat on the poster here. Yeah, that might be for another movie though. Um, uh, as if I look at the um, the the thing. But uh, all right, that's gonna that's gonna do it for this time. Next week we'll be back with the Whisper of the Heart. Tyler, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at HeyIt'sThatTy. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home Attire Shoes Reviews, where I review old-ass fighting games for your pleasure. And you can follow me at Twitter.com slash MarvelousIggy, and you can catch me live at Twitch.tv slash Iggy2814. Um, I'm streaming all nothing but 2D platformers this week, or this month. Check my schedule to see what I'm playing on any given week. And, of course, go to SharkShot.com for this episode as well as our other uh, previous Cinema Shot eras. And, of course, our wrestling watch long I do with Thomas. Uh, and um, our flagship show, the Shark Shot Gamescast. Thank you, everybody, for listening as we talk about Tanuki Balls this time. Uh, we'll see y'all next week for uh, Whisper of the Heart. Until next time, A-Cab, motherfuckers, A-Cab. I'm going to go be out of the garbage now. I mean, I'm not a raccoon. Bye. Thank you for watching at Cinema Shot Theater.